Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Today's guest is Kimberly Pittman Schultz, is an award-winning poet and author who writes, teaches, and speaks about death, living mindfully, and being a force of change in the world. With 25 years as a philanthropy leader and charitable and end-of-life planning advisor, Kimberly has worked with incredibly diverse people looking for meaning after the loss of a spouse, partner, child, sibling, parent, grandparent, or beloved animal. Her focus is helping people cultivate joy every day so they can more deeply experience the meaning and beauty of their only lives. Now tell me, Kimberly, how how did you come to working in philanthropy and how did it lead to writing a book that's a really great question, uh, Dr. Laika. Uh, you know, whenever people ask me how I got into philanthropy, I love to say when all the little boys wanted to be firemen and all the little girls wanted to be ballerinas, I wanted to work in philanthropy. But of course, that's not really what happened at all, right? So I kind of found my way, I, I always loved writing, but I found my way into philanthropy um, after graduate school. I had finished up um, all of my work that I needed to get done for my degree, but I still had my um, dissertation to write. And so my first job was in philanthropy, um, initially doing writing, and then um, eventually moving on into working one-to-one with donors, helping them craft philanthropic gifts, um, either during life or as part of their estate plans that would allow them to do something meaningful um, in their lives. People work their whole lives to, to build what they have, to build their resources, and you know we can't take it with us. So. Um, I've been sort of a guide and support in helping people figure out a meaningful way to take the resources they've built and make a difference in the world. Um, What I discovered over doing this for many years is how often what motivates people to want to give back um, and to include philanthropy as a part of their life um, is that they have experienced losses themselves. Whenever I work with individuals, I try to understand what's motivating their desire to give in some way. And everybody has a giving story, as I call it. Something often when they were a child, but you know, something in their life. And it may be a loss, it may be a personal um, tragedy that happened or something traumatic that happened to them or to loved ones. And how often, not always, but how often that becomes a motivator for wanting to do good in the world and be a force for change. Um, As we got into the pandemic, um, I realized I couldn't travel to see people. I was working from a home-based office, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to travel. And I got very sick. turned out I did not have COVID. I'd been in one of the first areas that started recognizing community spread up in Seattle. Um, But so I was sick, really sick for about a month with some other virus. It turned out to not to be COVID or the flu. 
Um, but you start thinking through, you just have a lot of time to think when you're laying there sick and feeling miserable. And um, I realized as I was reading and talking with people virtually, that people were really struggling with feelings of loss and grief and anxiety. I mean, grief is really many emotions. Um, and it, it just led me, I had the idea that I wanted to take some of my experiences professionally and personally, because so many people had said, how have you done this? Or how have you navigated that? And things that I had been sharing with donors and family and friends and others, uh, I realized could be a resource for people during um, these challenging times. So that's really what led to, um, to doing the book is realizing the people I had been working with and helping professionally, but also personally, um, had said to me that, that some of the things that I was doing and teaching them was really helpful. And so I, I want, it was both therapeutic for me to write the book, but also I wanted it to be a resource. That's cool. What's your book's name? Uh, the name of my book is Grieving Us, A Field Guide for Living with Loss Without Losing Yourself. And I called it that, especially the subtitle, because the number one question I get from people then and now is, how do you live with loss without losing yourself? It's one of the biggest challenges. Um, right now, I have a little flurry of emails in my inbox from individuals um, telling me about losses that they've had recently, sometimes quite distant, that are still haunting and troubling and, and how lost we often feel because when we lose a beloved other, whoever that may be, a person, an animal, um, we do lose a part of ourselves and we do have to remake our lives. And I know that's you know something you've, you've dealt with and many of the people you've worked with have dealt with. That's right. And, and you know, I've dealt with loss myself as I came through a near-death experience. And there was a great author by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that wrote a book on death and dying. And in that book, she, she delineated phases that people go through uh, when they are dying or have a loss. And they are anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. And I think it's the philanthropy part that gives people a means of helping to deal with things and also for acceptance. Is that not right? It is. I think for many people, it is. I think it is about finding meaning in something that is hard to see meaning in. I mean, people come at this from different faiths and belief systems. And all I can say if I've learned anything over my lifetime and years of working with people is everybody is different. And while there are certain griever styles, I even have a, a griever style assessment because I find that people often believe either themselves or through things that family members and friends say to them that they're somehow grieving wrong. And there are, while we all grieve very differently, there are sort of three general styles that I find tend to reflect how people grieve and understanding how you grieve can help you really use your own innate style to help you be successful. What are those styles? Several years ago, uh, there was some science done and some and study done in this area that suggested there are what you call intuitive greeter, grievers and instrumental grievers and then blended grievers. And uh, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around what that means. And in my mind, I've come to, as I've worked with people over time and gotten to know my own grieving style, I tend to think of it as you, you being a bear, being a hummingbird or being a chameleon. So if you're an intuitive griever, and that's what I call being a bear, um, 
frequently, and let me just put some context here. You know, there's also things like, are you introverted, extroverted, male, female, um, you know, have, you know, other gender orientations, all those things certainly affect this. But in general, if you are an intuitive griever or a bear style griever, you tend to use your emotions and feelings to help you navigate through grief. You're more likely to want to talk with people about what you're experiencing. You're more likely to show your emotions, whether that's crying or anger, whatever those emotions are. With an instrumental griever, um, those individuals tend to be people that often um, will be quiet, um, will, will use thought and action to deal with their grief. So they might be the one at the funeral that's not crying and you wonder what's going on. Well, they're processing it and they're, they have their own way of dealing with it and working through mentally and through action. They'll often be the ones that'll get really busy after a loss and really try to just work through um, their, their experience. And then the blended grievers are what I call the chameleon grievers, those are individuals that often draw from both styles and or um, they adapt their grieving style to their circumstances. So they may be more bear-like or intuitive in their grief style, for instance, when they're alone, but when they're in public or at work, uh, they may really draw from their thinking and, and action um, perspective. And all of these styles are both strong styles and they're natural to certain people who have them. But like anything, if anything is taken to an extreme, then we can sometimes create problems for ourselves. So understanding what's, what's natural from us and also having a sense of when maybe we need to ask for a lifeline or a little help or surround ourselves with others um, is very helpful. But I think to me, the thing that's important is realizing that um, for instance, to say to someone that's what I call the hummingbird griever, someone that has to think and do to say to them, you know, you really need to talk this through. You need to express your emotions is really not what's natural for them and can actually create more stress for them. Um, just as you might say to someone who's a bear griever and, you know, they're, it seems like they're crying or expressing their grief more to say, oh, you know, you need to be stronger. You should be through this by now. I just, I want everybody to get rid of the shoulds. There should be no shooting um, because for those individuals, that is how they process their grief. And we really want to give people space to just be and do what they need to do. And for some people, it'll be a shorter process and others much longer. And then, you know, grief is tidal, I like to say. It comes and goes over time. We live with it, you know, loss comes along and then it comes along with us for the rest of our lives. But I think grief doesn't have to be all the time or always, but it will come and go over time because, you know, someone that we love is gone and they'll always be gone. Yeah, that's so true. Now, one thing that you also say in your book and also on your shows and so on is that joy coexists with grief now that seems counterintuitive but how can joy coexist with grief well for a lot of years dr Leica, i would never have imagined that that's the case and i went through my own experiences with loss at different times starting when i was a little kid and then you know when my mother died and a friend committed suicide within two weeks of each other and i went through really about a two-year period of extended grief and i couldn't imagine that the joy would ever come back um, a lot of things that i was doing that were good for me i stopped because that seemed like remember thinking it's navel gazing, it's not important, you know, all this kind of thing. And it took me developing a system for myself to realize that joy is always there. We can't always see it or feel it, um, but it is always there. And there's this tendency, I hear a lot of people speak about, well, we need to get through our grief 
to joy as if you can't have joy until grief is over. Well, grief is going to come and go. And if you put joy off until someplace in the future, you may never get to that destination. And what I discovered is you can create breaks. I call them tiny come back to your senses rituals. I stumbled at it completely by accident, but by creating these little breaks in my day, I could take a break from grief and that created an opening for discovering that joy was there, um, for paying attention and, and being intentional and um, just, you know, without that moment, initially it was just momentary weight of grief, I could begin to feel literally lighter again. So yes, it sounds counterintuitive, but I truly believe that even, um, you know, maybe not in the immediate aftermath when you're just really trying to make sense of things, but overall, as you work through grief, um, the joy is there and trying, and it is possible to find it each day and to begin to expand that. And again, it's different for everybody, but it's there. It's just, that's all I can say. It's not just a belief. I've witnessed it in so many other people when they started being open to it. That's cool. Now, what's next for you in helping others, as you say, make the most of their one and only heartbroken and still beautiful life? Well, you know, uh, I love writing and I love working with um, people. I still work in the field of philanthropy and help helping people with end of life and charitable gift planning. One thing that's come out of this book, uh, Dr. Laika, is people saying to me, oh, I really, and I've, I've got to tell you, it's just been so moving to me to have emails from people who've read the book talking about what has helped them, um, what they're struggling with. And, you know, it's it's what you hope your book would do. You know, it's, it's not something you do to, to make money. You know, it's just you, it's something that you don't, you won't, <laughs> you know, I'm not writing Harry Potter. Um, for me, it was really about trying to help people um, truly live their one and only lives with greater beauty and meaning. So for me, what I've heard from my readers is, you know, I love what you, I'm trying some of the practices you outline. I use storytelling in the book because I think when we hear other stories that can support us and give us ideas for our own healing process. But I also give very specific practices because I know when I was struggling with grief and I tried some counseling and I read lots of books, but very often it was missing that how-to, you know, people would say, well, you should get out in nature more, or take a walk. Well, when you're really grieving, you can't, might, you might not even be able to get off the couch, let alone just go take a walk. Um, so I wanted to give people very specific strategies to help them again, make some break in that, make some breaks in their day for grief to kind of take a sideline and for them to be able to experience joy and well-being and slowly expand the amount of time they're spending. So the next step for me is I'm working right now on a workshop. Um, it'll be virtual, you know, uh, because I have people that have, you know, reached out from literally around the world, which is very cool and, and humbling at the same time. So um, I really want to bring people together. I think we all need to have skills to help us navigate our own grief in a way that's natural and serves us as individuals. But I also believe having a community of others that are on similar lost journeys is very supportive. So my goal with the workshop is to really um, help people gain those skills, but also do it within the context of a group of people that, um, can appreciate what they're going through and they can provide some of that support. Well, that's cool. Well, we're just about at our end here. Um, how, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to, and where can they find your book? 
Yes. Well, um, my book is available on Amazon. I think most books on the planet are available on Amazon. Also available at any of the online booksellers. And of course, I always encourage people to talk to their local bookseller and support your local bookstore because they can order the book as well. Um, my virtual home is at poetowl.com. That's um, just like the word poet and owl together.com. And I actually, Dr. Laika, have set up a special page for listeners of uh, you know, uh, how to live a fantastic life. Um, so that you just add fantastic life to the end of that uh, website address. And when they get there, they'll, um, they'll know they're in the right place. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. It was a delight to have you on my show today. Uh, you are truly an amazing person. And I wish you well with your future endeavors. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking with you and meeting you also, Dr. Dr. Laika. Bye for now, dear. Have a fantastic day. You have a fantastic day as well. Take care. Bye now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Did you know that you can get a free copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life? Yep. Just visit 13gpnow.ca and we'll send it right to you. That's the number 13gpnow.ca. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. We'll see you next week. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic.